Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Um, hopefully you heard our special um, uh, release that uh, a couple days ago, and uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, but uh, this is going to be our normal episode, so if you're just in case you're confused. Um, but with me, as always, is Fredo and Dave. How you guys doing? Doing good. And stupid, stupid eagles. You know, that's all we're going to say is stupid eagles. Um, but by God, if I hear the words hurts or wents anymore in the next week, I'm I'm going to go postal. It was like, ugh. And uh, limit the Saints talking stuff. The other thing that drove me crazy is that these announcers, sorry, everybody, the Saints lost to the Eagles. You knew that probably. But these announcers also were like, and there's number 56 and number 58 going after. And it's like they, they had no idea any of the Saints players' names. You know, it's like, but they just called numbers, but every Eagles player they had. So yes, I'm, you know, they had their names down. So yes, I'm a disgruntled Saints fan right now, but okay. I'm better now, but, uh, oh, well, deep breath, deep breath. Yeah. But you know, it, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. There was a trap game coming somewhere. And this was a, this is like the RG three game. You know, we made Jalen hurts look awesome. We just, you know, insured him a paycheck. So. But anyway, we're we're not here to talk about the Saints. We are the Who Dat Jedi podcast, but we're going to move on. We're here to talk about Star Wars, and tonight is going to be about uh, the Mandalorian recent episode, The Believer. Um, and quite, it seemed like a short episode. It was only about, what, 35, 38 minutes total, so not much uh, longer than last week's uh short episode but yeah but still it just seemed i I don't know it just i don't know if it was just it got to the point and it maybe just had so much action in it that it i I don't know but last week's had a lot of action it just seemed like when i'm thinking about we're going to talk about this episode there's like only really two or three things we need to talk about with this episode you know i don't know it it doesn't make it bad it's just pretty succinct but as always, we're going to start with trivia to get our brain wrapped around some some Star Wars goodness. Um, all right, because the color matches your shirt, Dave. First one I look at, this one goes to you, uh, and the color on the card. You know, sorry. Um, what creature causes C-3PO to shriek? Go away, beastly little thing! Shoo, shoo! This is my favorite line from Empire, by the way. That's your favorite line? Yeah, this is one of my favorite lines. Go away, beastly little thing. Shoo, shoo. Those are the Minox. Yep. I just thought that was a great C-3PO line. I just, and that, I'm, I'm afraid of birds too. So that's, uh, that's probably another reason why I related to it. So yes, it was the Minox. I didn't even have to look on the back of that. All right, Fredo. Mm -hmm. Who informs Governor Tarkin that the Death Star has entered the Alderaan system? Oh, crud. Oh, my God. That's Bush League compared to what Dave got. Dave's laughing. Yeah. He muted his microphone so he could laugh at you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying. I think I, I have no idea. Honestly, I know who you're talking about, but I have no idea who that character is. Man, I, I'm, I'm going to guess General Taggy. Nope. It's Admiral Motti. Yeah, that would have been my guess. I, I have totally. this action figure here somewhere. That was that was Bush League, man. That was tough. I'm sorry. You know, the, the only reason that I would have even had a guess in the first place is because I read from a certain point of view, um, A New Hope, uh, within the last six months. So some of those characters' names are fresh in my mind. 
So uh, mine, what Gungan has distinctive green skin and prominent eyebrows? Well, I yeah yeah he muted himself so he could swear. I I actually had an answer. Then the prominent eyebrows threw me for a minute, but I'm guessing that it's Boss Nass. Yeah, it's Boss Nass. Uh, we said do our so part. So sorry, Fredo, you got hosed on trivia this week. <laughs> Uh, by the way, um, the the bad batch, you know. Okay, so our, we're skipping news uh, for this episode because you just need to go listen to our previous episode that we released a couple days ago um, that uh, goes over all of the Disney, you know, the Disney investor call, all the things they announced about um, Star Wars and Marvel. So all the news is there for the most part. But let's talk real quick because one of you got the question about. Uh, well, I guess it was Fredo about it said who and who informed Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin is going to be in the Bad Batch. That looks really cool. And also, does am I wrong, or is Fennec Shan in the Bad Batch? Somebody took a screen grab and and, and basically confirmed it. Like, there's Fennec right there. We're in the that. same helmet, but that's going to be... Uh, Ming-Na Wen is not that old. You know what I mean? Because well, I mean, if we're talking about Bad Batch is taking place between episodes three and four, and Mandalorian, I mean, I don't know. Of course, maybe her. I don't know. I don't know. Well, as I said, I mean, we're we're presuming that she's human. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, she may not be. She may be a humanoid type species that ages differently. But yeah, true. it was it, very obviously the out. I mean, her outfit very much. If you had, if you'd seen the previous week's episode of Mandalorian, and then saw this trailer for the Bad Batch, you went, "It's exactly the same." So. It's the exact same helmet and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and they do a close up on her. I mean, it's like, yeah, I think they're they're trying to draw those connections. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So um, let's just dive right into the Mandalorian latest episode, The Believer. Um, her face. Now I'm a Thanks, man. When that's stuck in my head at three o'clock in the morning, I'm calling you. Um, so, uh, all right. So, I'll do a quick little recap of this. Um, we open up. If you remember, at the end of last episode, um, Mando goes to Cara Dune and says, "Hey, I need to go find Mayfeld to break him out of prison because I need his help." And so we open up at this. Uh, uh, basically a scrapyard that Mayfeld is doing hard labor and Cara Dune springs him. uh, He's remanded to her custody and uh, he's taken, they take she takes Mayfeld up to slave one where um, Boba Fett comes down the ramp and he kind of freaks out a little bit. goes, Oh, I thought you were another guy. And then that's when Mando comes down he and Mayfeld is sure that he's going to get wasted right there, but they're like, no, we need your help. And so Turns out that to find Moff Gideon, uh, he needs to get to an Imperial terminal, and he just lists off a planet, and they're off to a planet. I can't remember the planet's name right now. Does anybody know right off, right off the bat? It's not really not important. Because, Morak. Okay. Anyway, Morak. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a terminal there, and so they fly to Morak, and um, they're going to... Uh, Basically, they hijack a uh, semi-trailer, if you will. I mean, that's what they did. They hijack a truck. And 
Well, and it was kind of funny right here because they're trying to decide who's going to go with Mayfeld because they don't want to send Mayfeld alone because he'll probably just go tell the Imperials on them all and he'll, you know, um, be a hero and be able to stay out of jail. Or, you know, then they're like, well, we can't send uh, Fennec Chan because she's wanted by ISB and they would recognize her. And then he turns to Boba Fett and he's like, well, let's just say that they'd recognize my face. And that was a chuckle. That was a that was a good chuckle because yes, you know, I mean, Boba Fett looks like Jango Fett, who looks like all of the clones. Um, so it's Mando that has to go with him, and but he's going to change into um, some stormtrooper armor. I mean, it was tank driver, you know, armor, whatever. And so they're transporting this explosive material, and there's actually a really interesting kind of, as they're driving through this town, there's an interesting kind of conversation that Mayfeld is having with Mando about basically colonialism. You know, it's uh, anyway. So anyway, they're, he's trying to figure out why are, why do you not take off your helmet, but you will get into this gear and we're going to talk about that stuff later. But then all of a sudden, a bunch of pirates come swooping into town, a whomping and a whooping, trying to blow up all of these semi-trailers that are transporting all the explosives. And so Mando is fighting them off, and we find out that Stormtrooper armor sucks and is not like wearing Beskar. But uh, they make it to the Imperial stronghold. And um, actually, it's kind of funny because tie fighters swoop in to save the day and did you guys feel like yay wait whoa wait a minute we're we're cheering on yep. tie fighters they get, it was they get the big hero moment it was yeah, really and really and odd. then right after that they get the hero's welcome yeah as well from all the troops and everyone's like yeah we're on the we're all on the good guy's side here so we're we're in the imperial base and we're looking for the terminal which happens to be in the officer's mess and so but Mayfeld realizes he can't go in and do it because his former commanding officer is in there. And so Mando says, I'll do it. But apparently you need facial recognition. So Mando's going to have to take off his helmet. Now I have to read you guys. I'm going to pause for a second. I have to read you guys this text from my friend. He actually works in the government, but he says, um, uh, let's see here. He says, uh, also, what kind of Imperial software are we working with that any dude off the street can just have his face scan and obtain information? <laughs> but it, they needed Mando to take off his helmet for story reasons. But anyway, so we actually do see Pedro Pascal for the second time. Um, and he took off his helmet so he could get scanned and then get the information of where Moff Gideon is. And then the... Mayfeld's, you know, uh, former boss comes over and then Mayfeld comes in to kind of save the day and they end up sitting down. He, uh, the officer doesn't know who either one of them is, but Mayfeld is getting worked up over all the things that this Imperial officer is saying about how, you know, people really don't know what's good for them and the empire is going to, you know, cause all sorts of hell so that the new Republic looks bad and the empire can take over again. And Mayfeld ends up shooting him. And so then they have to escape, and it's just kind of a big chase scene to get out. And um, But they eventually, you know, get away. And the very last scene is we have a man, Mando sending a transmission to Moff Gideon using the exact words from, what was it, the second to last episode? 
um, where he says, you have something that's very important to me. You have no idea how, you know, it's that he just word for word from that last episode and Moff Gideon looks scared. And so we're set up for the final showdown of this season. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the recap, but watch it. It's a lot more enjoyable than me just spouting about it. Um, I don't know, real quick, just around the horn, what'd you guys, did you guys dig this episode? What'd you think of it, Dave? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, uh, like you said uh, earlier, it's uh, very um, succinct and short and to the point. And uh, I like, I, I tend to like those episodes. I know that we get less <laughs> episode, we get less content. And so that's a bummer, but um, they're, um, they're usually um to the point for a reason and 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 it's usually more effective storytelling and so uh like nine times out of ten if it's a shorter episode i kind of like roll up my sleeves and rub my hands together all right here we go we're gonna get something uh fun and interesting this week and that was the case fredo yeah you know on a first viewing i mean it's a very fun uh action heavy uh, episode, another action-heavy episode. From by the way, the pirates were—they were just looking to blow them up. They never give you a reason why. They never say because they're not trying to hijack their cargo. They're not trying to take over and knock them out. They're trying to blow them up. And you know, like from what you hear from the uh, officer uh, afterwards, it's it's not that many who uh, that make it all the way through. So clearly, it's having an impact. Uh, but in terms, I, I love the first half. It's my primarily action. I love that the end is primarily action. I love the little moment in the mess hall between Mayfeld, the officer, and Din, just because it felt very much like Tarantino in the Glorious Bastards. Yeah. Very much. There's there's tension, and you know what's gonna break it, but you're hoping it doesn't. Because if it does, it's it's all gonna go to McClunky in a basket. So. Uh, it was really, it was really good episode, fun episode. In terms of building towards the climax, I don't necessarily know if it did that. We'll have to see next this upcoming week. But I love the way that they, you know, that the episode flowed and set up. Well, they, you know, they did a better job. It it makes more sense than the frog lady episode. You know, um, you could you could see the the arrow that's being drawn. Um, you know, I I dug it. Um, it is one of those where it's like, man, why don't you? Some of these episodes are becoming. Why don't you? Why don't you just take the two shorter ones and make one longer episode? Just because the flow would would make a lot of sense. But anyway, um, you know. That being said, uh, the thing I dug about this movie was how it cha- or this movie, this episode is how it challenged your like preconceived notions and it, even the actors that are in it or the the characters that are in it. Because it's like, like I said, we are, you know, going, hooray, TIE fighters are saving us. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, they, they tricked us into rooting for the Empire. And, of course, that whole, but Mayfeld is setting you up, you know, as, as they're driving there, basically saying, hey. And it's kind of the, it's kind of the same speech that uh, DJ gives Finn in, you know, um, The Last Jedi. It's like. Somebody's ruling, somebody's being ruled, you know, or, you know, or as the who said, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss type of a thing. So, but, you know, we get tricked into being, oh, yay, the empire's saving us. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, that was really weird. But then, you know, 
Cara Dune has her preconceived notions about Mayfeld, and at the end, she lets him go because there's there's a there's redemption there. You know, Mayfeld has his preconceived notions about Din, and there is a a uh, I guess a oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they, they just there's an understanding at the end of this episode between the two of them. You know, mm-hmm. um, so that relationship changes um so it, it, like i said everything is it's it's all about you know you know uh, almost you could almost say the theme is from a certain point of view you know it's uh, it's challenging everybody's you know and it, it also gets into the you know this is the way and we see din taking off his helmet so everything is we're, we're challenging all of our our preconceived notions and i that's what i dug about it, and they did that in like 30 some minutes so that was pretty cool um, so what did, what do we think about, uh, Mayfeld here? Um, Dave, you have some thoughts that you jotted down. Um, why don't you spur off, uh, kick off this part of the conversation? Sure. Yeah. Well, he's this, um, at, similar to frog lady, you know, when we talk about the, the frog lady episode and again, I'm, I'm going to defend the frog lady episode forever. Uh, a, because I really dug that episode, but B, that, that our review of that particular chapter is the most listened to review that we've had this season. So, um, well, you get all your frog lady discussion here, everybody. Don't, this is where you go for frog lady discussion. Um, but in the same way that she was kind of a reflection of Din as a parent, Mayfeld here is a reflection on Din and what he was in his past, right? Um, and I, I really couldn't, um, agree more with what you were saying, Aaron, about how, um, everybody's expectations are getting sort of blown up in this episode. Um, I, I, you know, I can think of numerous examples in my own life where I think something about a person and I get it completely wrong and vice versa. Somebody misjudges me. Um, and you know, it happens like you think about like people you went to high school with, you know, it's like, well, I remember you, you're the person that was into so-and-so, or this was something notable about your character. It was like, well, no, you, you don't get to define me in that way. Um, and Mayfield is so well developed as a character here. He's very gray and nuanced. Um, He's not just a black and white caricature um, that we get to we get to see his him challenge those expectations. But then, like you said, we get to see Den challenge them as well. And I well, and you see it's a really cool thing. And it was more powerful because Cara Dune was absolutely 100 percent anti-imperial. And she's seeing that, oh, OK, they can be. They can, they can be a good guy, you know, or, you know, people can change. People can be redeemed, I suppose. Um, and that was interesting. So, Fredo? The, the, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Dave, keep, little, keep going. The one thing I was, was going to add to that, it was like, to me, it was the characterization, you know, the little moments. He brought humor to the role, which you would expect. Um, but, you know, it helped throw a different spin on this sort of shady background character, right? 
well, you know, here's a person that knows how to get us into the facility and, you know, has, has no, uh, um, no sort of uh, moral compass that would keep him from doing that. You know, he's, he's going to do it, you know, there's no question. And, um, and yet he brings, um, you know, the, like the, the conversation you were talking about, the little things like where he's talking about, you know, this is, you, you could, I could make assumptions about you and you can make assumptions about me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where we're actually at. Well, and it's also the, I mean, I saw this meme somebody i can't remember who posted maybe you fredo you threw it in our in our group chat but it was a you know picture of the stormtroopers saying wait a minute we put handcuffs on a child are we the baddies you know it's that that old you know are we the baddies skit you know it is it's like and it also gets into anakin saying well from my point of view the jedi are evil you know it's so and i think that's what um like you said, uh, Mayfeld being, you know, kind of that gray area, I think he was probably all in on being an Imperial. And then he saw things that, you know, it's like, wait a minute, this isn't right, you know? And so, but then you see the new Republic doing some of the exact same things, you know? So he's like, you know, like I said, it's kind of like DJ saying, don't pick a side. Fredo? talks about having trouble sleeping at night. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. No, I think, uh, what's interesting is this, if you remember, the episode where we met on last season, we got none of this. This is all written and put into this episode now, which is an interesting choice because it would have been interesting to say, because we I don't think we know that he was a former Imperial officer of some kind. No, we knew he and, was an Imperial sharpshooter. Yeah. Right. But 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 other than that, they didn't say anything else. And you figure okay, Empire Falls is just because like so many uh, trying to make his uh, way through the galaxy. But the idea that, oh, he was involved. And, and I love the fact, side note, that they dropped in the Operation Cinder uh, reference because that's a Battle, Battlefront Two reference. That's the whole idea of the uh, Emperor's master plan of if I can't have the galaxy, well, I'll just burn it all to the ground, which kind of scary that he still has officers out there still willing to live and die by that creed, even though he's been long dead. Uh, but so we didn't get in, you know, the, all this backstory on Mayfeld at all in the last episode because he was primarily a foil for Mando. Yeah, he and his guys were gonna at some point betray Mando. Therefore, we couldn't know that about him. Now that he's on the same side, and now that we know Mando then, and um, we're getting juxtaposed with all these different points of view, it's a wonderful presentation that he does to say, look. The villagers and more, they don't care whether it's the Republic or whoever. We're just invaders. You know, they were in their home, strip mining it for its resources. And, you know, they don't care what side we're, we're claiming to be, uh, which is why it's intriguing that first they gave us that big hero moment with the TIE fighters and the stormtroopers at the end of the uh, truck run. But then also, then they give us the... Uh, Imperial officer, which, by the way, his name is uh, Valen Hess, uh, where he starts talking about, you know, burning gone and turning an operation center. And now they're going to take that Rhydonium and do even worse stuff with it. And so you can kind of skip the view of Mayfield, like, wait a minute, you know, I want to help Mando, but I also didn't sign up to 
create more destruction and chaos. Like it says, he has to live with himself every night, and you know. Well, and also it's from an a, interesting dynamic from a from a story perspective. He, you know, Mayfeld is also you know creating even more conflict within Din about you know the different ways of the Mandalorian. You know, big time because yeah, you know, just by saying that that like you know there are you know, we're all the same is what he said, you know, just you can say what you want, but when it comes down to it, we're all the same. And I think, I think that hits with, with Din that it's like, okay, yeah, the, the armorer and, you know, uh, the, the children, the, you know, the watch, the children of the watch, and then, you know, the night owls and, you know, Boba Fett and, you know, all these different, you know, he's, I think we've been talking about it on every podcast. He's figuring out that, all right, so we're all, we're all kind of on the same team. We're just wearing different jerseys. And yeah. it's yeah. and it's easy to say, wait a minute, this is the way, and therefore I will do this every time. But and I love the fact that Mayfield is the one introduces this idea. And it's like, no, there's going to be a moment where your creed is going to run against something that you need vitally, and in this case, that's the location of the child. And so at that moment, how much does your creed matter? And, uh, you know, because that's a question that that presents gets presented to every hero in every story gets presented to every person at some point you know there's your beliefs and there's the reality that you have to do certain things in order to uh, accomplish your goals and where are you going to bend where are you going to it's interesting one of the things that i love about star wars so much is this question of do the ends justify the means and um star wars always has a way of um, traditionally has has very much answered that question in the uh, negative. Um, it's like if we do what our opponent is doing, we become them in a very literal way. You know, when you think about the dark side and you think about Luke and his failure in the cave and, and, it, and it becomes where you draw a line. It's like I cannot engage in the sort of tactics that my enemy does and because if i do i'm 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 doomed and yet the modern star wars stories that have been most successful and i would kind of tend to lump this episode in with that um rogue one like very gray (laughs) um and it's and it's not necessarily spouting a belief or a course for a person, right? I think like sometimes Star Wars does that for people. It's like, well, this is this is the way that I should be. I should be like Luke Skywalker. Well, I you mean, know? you know, sorry to interrupt, but you know, throughout history, you know, terrorism always depends on what what side you're on, you know, because we the American Revolution, boy, the you know the the you know, the Americans were, they, they were doing guerrilla warfare. It was terrorism, you know, textbook terrorism, but they were on the right side. So we're okay with that. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of like Rogue One, you know, that was pretty much terrorism that they were committing, but it's okay because they're on, you know, so I see, I see what you're saying there. It's like, uh, yeah, it's the, again, from a certain point of view. You know, the stuff with Cassian where he shoots the informant in the back, you know, this is going to sing, oh my, you know, here we are in a different corner 
of this galaxy. And I think for a lot of fans, it's really exciting to go there um, because Star Wars traditionally has been very moralistic and it's been, you know, pretty black and white. Like if you if you take the time to look at it under a microscope, you realize the rebels are the bad guys in in modern parlance, you know, like because if it's a, you know, if you're thinking about it from. Like, okay, so, like, what's going on? What's really going on here? And if it's a a commentary on the Vietnam War, A New Hope was, it's like, well, the the empire is us, is the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and the insurgents are, you know, the people in Vietnam. And so it's, it's like, it flips it on its head. And it does it in a way that you don't realize that they're doing it. And I love that about it. And I've always loved that about it. And at least when I was old enough to understand that. But like you said, taking it face value, it's like, okay, black and white, good, evil, good, evil. It's very easy to understand. And so like, I think for a lot of us, as we've aged with star wars over the years i'm i'm you know i'm in my 40s now i want a more grown-up version of star wars um i don't want something quite so dualistic i want something a little more um refined or a little more um subtle um yeah you know these grayer stories you know rogue one this one um, are really interesting because like what you said is exactly right like Din doesn't care about this ex- these explosives getting into the hands of the Imperials like his goal is to get the information and get out of there mm-hmm. and it's like you know what are they going to do with that they're going to go harm people it's like there's a moral choice to be made here and he didn't care about that but, but Mayfeld takes that shot at the end yeah you know that that was that was the interesting thing and again that was it was kind of like uh yeah i mean yeah you're right mando was saying this is this is not my fight you know i just have this is what i'm focused on but mayfeld was like hey we're here this is my fight and you know um but i also think in part that's related to the fact that mayfeld seen what that can do he's seen the other end of it he's seen what the Rhydonium and the weapons that it can create in the hands of the Empire, what it leads to. And it leads to more death and misery and destruction and chaos. And, you know, the uh, uh, Valen has the Imperial officers talking to him about how people want order. And you're like, you're going to create order out of blowing planets up? You know, so it, there's a the juxtaposition of what they state versus what they do. And in order, in order for us to have order, we have to, you know, you know, destroy all these planets and kill all these people. Then they'll know if we need to have order. Like that's not the way it works. And uh, and Mayfield's the one who's seen it. Din hasn't. Din's been on the other end from the uh, Clone Wars aspect, uh, from the uh, separatists, from their droids. But he hasn't seen what the Empire can do beyond when they're chasing him. So it makes sense that it would be Mayfield who's having the more. Um, emotional reaction at that moment the, the ceo i mean like chef's kiss that guy because like here we are having all these sorts of 
philosophical debates with ourselves like should we have been rooting for these tie fighters to come in and save the day etc and and this guy's like the smarmiest grossest most evil ceo you could ever encounter by the way did you know that that's the same actor who played the night king on game of thrones it was, yeah and he also killed uh batman's parents in batman begins right. it was joe Schill. Right. yeah um so um so let's let's talk I'm skipping around kind of your the order here Dave but let's let's talk about uh because the biggest thing that happened on this episode and it's what we've been talking about um on our podcast is Mando making a choice and boy howdy did he make a choice and like I said when he took off his helmet now technicality he took off a stormtrooper's helmet not his Mandalorian helmet in front of somebody but he still showed he showed his face um I'm just I'm just being kind of dork there. But um so he did make a choice about his creed versus you know you know the the caring of of the child. You know, he he took his helmet off in front of everybody and then sat at a table and what I found so cool about that from the get-go after he took his helmet off was how uncomfortable Pedro Pascal acted and looked i mean it was he was the most vulnerable that of anybody you've ever seen in star wars and he was he, stiff. it was it was like his superpowers were taken away he was frozen at that table um i don't know what you what so obviously taking off the helmet like so this choice but it, it's also again it's opening himself up and being a more vulnerable human being i suppose but what'd you guys, what, Dave, what was your thoughts of when he took off the helmet? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, this is like, you could probably write a graduate thesis on this because it's like the point of the show, basically. Because um, the, the literal thing, like, you've got to be able to take off your helmet at some point, um, just from a practical sense, but also just like what it means to the character. It's like, are you choosing one path are you choosing a different path and it's like are you choosing you know father guardian of this being who needs your help or are you choosing you know strict dogmatic um soldier um which you know something else entirely and it it's like he's having to come to terms with that and decide for himself it's like can i can I have it both ways? Maybe can I do a little bit of both? Can I make compromises and those sorts of choices become um, important as we go, go through this, but like this literal moment, like you're right. The acting by Pedro Pascal is amazing. Um, So like you can read it two ways. You can read it. Like you said, he is not comfortable because he's so vulnerable because this is not where he wants to be. And it's so awful for him that he just, he literally can't even like move from side to side without, he can't turn his head. The other side of it is like, I, I sort of thought like he's used to playing the character that way too. It's like I'm wearing the helmet always. And I'm just constantly kind of stiff <laughs> in my movements because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly in the armor. So I read it that way as well, which is kind of a fun thing, but um, you know, it's, it's, it was really significant for all those reasons, but also just the fact that you, that's like the worst way you could 
have your face shown essentially for him it's like not only that you've shown it um and and had your willingly removed your helmet in the way that it's not supposed to be done but scanned your features into a database so that that's presumably on file somewhere for the empire now to use against you in the future you've basically given your likeness away to your opponent and i just feel like yeah I, I, the way he played the rest of that scene is like kind of like him going oh, oh mcclunky 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 what did i do mcclunky yeah the way i equated it was kind of like you know we everybody has that nightmare at one point in their lives about standing naked in their classroom and freaking out because they don't know what you know how to react or how everybody's going to react so in many ways, because that in some ways is how Din is feeling at that moment. He's naked in front of the world. He has gone his entire life wearing that helmet and not having anybody see his face. And at that moment, he comes to the crossroads of, if you want Grogu back, you're going to have to take your helmet. It's going to to be scanned. And then on top of that, he's trying to get out of there as quickly as he can because he's like, okay, I'll, maybe if nobody saw it, it doesn't count. Kind of like when he takes the helmet off, he's by himself and he's uh, eating. But then the Imperial officer turns around and then Mayfield has come into his rescue because he's just frozen stiff. He, you know, in some ways he knows he's violated the central code that's dictated so many of his actions for the bulk of his adult life. And uh, now he doesn't know what to do. And that's why he's just so stiff and quiet. And in that interaction. I don't think he says a word while Mayfeld and Valen Hess are talking to one another. He doesn't even have a reaction until Mayfeld pulls out the gun and shoots Hess. And his reaction is more of a ball guy, like, what the heck did you just do? Uh, so I think it was very well, I mean, excellently acted by Pedro Pascal, you would expect so. But um, only seeing his features, everything, all his emotions that he's going through, it's a roller coaster for him. Those, what, five minutes? So uh, let's let's remember the rumors that we heard of how you know he was you know unhappy about not being able to show his face and how he was you know you know not he wasn't going to be in as much in the back half of the season. So all those we can kind of put to rest, right? Um, you know, but I, I do want to say this about what you guys have been saying about you know when what we've all been saying about you know the you know this this sect of the mandalorians think this and this sect thinks this and this clan over here thinks this you know honestly i i keep thinking about you know my own um i suppose religious journey you know raised in you know in one church moving to another church and that was boy that was a you know that wasn't just something like all right yeah i'm i'm going over here now you know, it was, it, it was a, it was a tough, and I kind of sat in that new church a little bit, you know, kind of, um, you know, like, kind of like Din a little bit, like, wow, really? You know, didn't, just really uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, so I think there's a, you know, a broader story that they're telling here of, you know, like I said, people's spiritual journey, people's, or just, the, you know, groups that you belong to, you know, we're in New Orleans, let's take it on a very, you know, uh, not, not a serious of a side, I suppose, but you know, we've got how many Mardi Gras crews, you know, why do you belong to one crew and not another, 
you know, because you like these rules better than other, or these people fit more of your, you know, what you're looking for, you know. So, you know, Din's on this, he, he's, he's very immature. And yeah. he's, he's now, he's having now to think for himself instead of having others think for him. You know, and this is the first, you know, now we're, you know, the, the choices that he's been making these last couple episodes are he's making up his own mind. He's, it's not the guild telling him to go get something. It's not the, you know, the, the yeah, armorer saying this is the way he's, he's making his own way. So he's on his uh, hero's journey in a way, you know, and we talk about that um, storytelling device for, uh, Star Wars in general, it's just you see that time and again with you know with Luke and Ray and everyone and um, you know here it's 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 like that you know I'm leaving the village I'm going to go get in adventures and grow as a human being return to the village to save the village but understand at that point that I'm no longer really a part of that village. And that's, I really think that's where he's headed. You know, there's a, there's something else about this just from a, let's get out of the story for a second. And this is maybe cynical Aaron again, but um, I, I, I often try to read into why they're doing certain things. Cause something that struck me was there was no baby Yoda in this episode. Not one even like quick cutaway to, I mean, what, no baby Yoda. Um, so what do you, what do you, do you think that, uh, it was like, we've got to create an episode without Grogu and we're going to see if the ratings hold up or if people really complain <laughs> to see if this, if this idea can keep going without, you know, the cute puppet every episode. Can I say that I think the choice to not have baby Yoda or Grogu or the child it's more by design because of the story. By which I mean, you want to present a situation. What is driving Din Djarin right now? The absence of Grogu. He's loose. He's lost his child. His child is nowhere near him. And you're right. Of course, this so, whole episode, we're not, we don't know if he's okay. We don't know if he's, What's you happened know. to him, where he's at, if they're poking needles at him, if they're sucking him, what they're doing to him. But it is. So that. But it, but, is that a two birds, but it is a two birds, one stone type of a thing because mm -hmm. you can do that to propel the story. But then also, it's like I said, this is our, unless we're going to have, like I've always said, BJ and the bear, um, there's, they got to see if this is going to be able to fly without the cute puppet. And Fredo's frozen. Yeah, I get a screenshot of that. No, I'm not frozen. I'm not frozen. No, no but I don't. <laughs> no, actually, what else was, I don't necessarily think so. Because they keep mentioning the child all the time. It's interesting. His presence is, is voiced by the others. His presence is felt in Cara Dune's choice to spring Mayfeld. The fact that Mayfeld goes, the little green guy's missing, and uh, he understands where Mando's coming from. Uh, the fact he tells him at the end, I hope you get your kid back. But, you know, so the child's presence is here. But it's glaring because he's technically not there. So I think in some ways that's the design of the story. But also because at this point, I don't think you can have Mandalorian. No, you can have Din Djarin without Grogu. You've made it clear. 
if he's willing to take his helmet off for him, he's willing to do whatever it takes. I don't think they get split up anymore once they get back together. Well, Aaron, one of the things that you were talking about um, early on in this season was that the stories aren't quite as concise as they had been, or at least as we our impression of them had been. Uh, an individual chapter was a whole chapter, and it was self-contained. And the early part of this season, you'd have like not a post-credit scene, but a, you know, a scene tacked on that was like more connective tissue. And so it makes me wonder if they're setting us up for perhaps um, a cliffhanger, <laughs> uh, which, you know, we're, uh, the easy assumption to make is that he gets his kid back in the, in the final episode of the season. But what if he doesn't? What if there's a giant cliffhanger? Because they know season three is coming. Um, You know, I would allow for that. I wouldn't have thought that that would have been a storytelling direction they would have gone just because of the format of the show uh, a year ago at this time. For crying out loud, we left left people hanging for three years as to whether or not Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. You know, was, was, you know, was that a was that a lie? You know, so I could, you, yeah, you could totally end on a, a cliffhanger. Um, but the, you know, the, the problem, you know, yeah, I, I'm not saying it's a problem, but people would have, you're going to have to wait until next December, you know, because that's when season three is coming out. I mean, usually you just have to wait from May until it like normal TV shows, you know, the season ends in May, you just have to wait until September, you know, yeah, I mean, but that's to your point, uh, Aaron. Like, do we need to get used to the idea of these two being separated? Um, like, I, I think the assumption is we're going to get them back together again, and everything's going to be great, and we're going to go back to our comfort zone. So, and well, it may not happen until next December. So, getting back to the Mayfeld thing, have we seen the last of Mayfeld? No, I think it's kind of bush league that they leave him on this deserted planet you know they could have given him a ride somewhere if they're gonna let him go you know no, it's not deserted there's people there the well, villagers that we saw well but i mean it's not like they're just you know unless he goes back to the Space imperial Baron. facility to you know steal a tie fighter i mean he's pretty much stranded i mean well so. he might want that in order to let the lie that uh Cara Dune's gonna spread about his passing kind of take hold because yeah, more yeah, they gotta, they gotta, he's gotta give a lease. So, okay, everybody thinks I'm dead now. I can come out and somebody calls me Mayf. I'm like, I don't know who that is. So, they have more plausible deniability. So, it makes sense from their perspective, but also for him, like, he's probably just thankful to get out of there. Who knows? Maybe he wants a quiet life as a villager somewhere. I don't know. So, you don't, you don't think we see him in the final episode? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, no, done, we're done but, with him this season. Uh, I think we're done this season, but I think uh, he will turn back up eventually. Now, uh, another thing that was very interesting, did you guys notice uh, Boba Fett? Boba Fett! Where? Uh, got a new paint job. He finally cleaned up the armor. Right? He didn't do that in the original trilogy, but he finally got it back. And he's like, man, Cobb Vent really did a number on this and 
scuffed it up. Now I didn't even bother to look. Is the dent still in the helmet? Yeah. Okay. It is. So I, I, I don't know why that just strike it strikes me as something we need to talk about a little bit. Why, why do you think they, I mean, why not leave it scummed up or is it, you know, cause like you said, in empire, it didn't look all that spiffy and, you know, in Jedi, it didn't look all that spiffy. And now all of a sudden it's like, you know, you know, maybe hold, it's a, hold on guys. A, I got to, you know, my, my 501st, uh, you know, membership is coming up for renewal and I've got to make sure that my armor <laughs> looks up to specs. I don't know. It, was, it just was odd. It was odd to me. Maybe it's just a question of now that he's got it back, he values it at a different level. Who knows? It's interesting. I mean, we haven't gotten any further stuff from Boba Fett since and- the previous episode, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, it's a, it's part of his identity, and I know so that, it's interesting that he picks it up. And I and I know I know you guys are probably like why the did he bring this up? But it's one of those things that something that it's 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 so glaring it catches your eye so much it makes you wonder what was the creative decision to do that because they mm. could have just as easy used the same armor from the you know week before. But they made a conscious decision that, no, he's going to wear more cleaned up. It's going to be a fresh paint job and everything's going to look all brand new and spiffy. Why? You know, and, uh, and maybe it's maybe we're not going to come up with the answer between the three of us. But I just it's one of those things that when I'm watching these things, it's like, wow, that's OK. OK, Dave, go ahead. Yeah, I, I at the risk of reading too much into it, if. If Din's journey is to move away from the armor, Boba's journey might be moving toward the armor. Um, you know, he was been without it. He got it back. He, I think he values it more. Uh, I think that's an easy assumption to make, but maybe he's sort of embracing these Mandalorian ways more. You know, like, nice callback. It probably doesn't mean a whole lot. Um in this regard, but it sort of reinforces it a little bit. He's busting out seismic charges. I was just going to ask, did is- you guys geek out over that? That was, a, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, when that happened, I was like, Ooh, right on. Cool. It was like, and, and then they use the same space, the sa- same sound effect. And it was like, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, I guess I very, liked attack of the clones a little fun. bit. Yeah. I mean, that's a fun fan moment. Hugely awesome. Like, Oh yes, yes. But, um, you know, does it mean, does that kind of tie in? Like, he's spreading his wings a little bit at this point. He's 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 back in his comfort zone. He's flying Slave One around in the Mandalorian armor. Um, I, I think he's sort of self-actualizing, and it's sort of in a different way than Den is going. Den is moving away from the armor. He's moving towards this uh, custodian role. He's you know, like, do I need to be wearing this thing? I, I still feel uncomfortable with it off, but, you know, I, I guess I didn't die. You know, and and I that's why I still, you know, like at our previous, you know, special episode, you know, I said the the Rangers of the New Republic, um, unless they're, cha- you know, if, if they're, you know, like I said, the X-Wing pilots who are, or if you know, or marshals or whatever, trying to keep order, they've got to have somebody that is an antagonist. 
And so to me, it kind of makes sense if Fennec Shand is, you know, wanted by both the Empire and the New Republic and, you know, Boba Fett is Boba Fett. I could I could really see them being a part of that that show because um, it, it doesn't seem right now he's just kind of the driver of the van. Um, but it, it it does seem to be setting up another series. Well, and I think from the standpoint of kind of like what Dave was saying, self-actualizing, he's reclaiming elements of his identity. I mean, it, to the point that in this episode he says, oh, they might recognize me, you know, when he's talking about the Imperials. And at no point in case whooping and whooping of stormtroopers on uh, Tython, nobody said, oh, crap, McClunky, it's uh, Boba Fett. Nobody said that. But now that he's reclaimed his armor, now that he feels back to being himself, he's actually concerned about people actually recognizing him. Is it, from again, from a creative standpoint, is it trying to communicate to us that he is clean, upstanding, honorable, good guy? Because, you know, that's we talk about preconceived notions or maybe are they trying to do a bait and switch on us because we you know we talked about preconceived notions and prejudices earlier you know people will see somebody wearing a suit and saying oh they're a good guy and they're you know they're a fine upstanding person then they'll see somebody wearing torn up jeans and a hoodie and say that they're you know a punk and they're going to but it could be the exact opposite so are they are they trying to woo us into are they trying to say that, hey, look at this guy. He's cleaned up. That means he's renounced his old, you know, bounty hunter ways or, and I'm sorry we're spending so much time on this. Or is it, again, trying to, let's put him in a suit so everybody thinks he's a good guy so that we can, it'll be more effective when, you know, he turns on everybody. Could be either, you know, and it, it could be effective either way. And I And I like that they are sort of going down that road with him. Um, You know, it's like, okay, so we're setting him up a certain way, which is a drastic departure from everything that we previously understood about him. That's interesting in and of itself, and that's enough. And so if, if we get that, that's great. But if they're setting us up, and if there's a turn, you know, turn heel coming... Um, you know, that's awesome too. And I, what I love most about him is like, he, he's complicated and like, we're, we're finally, he's back as, as an interesting character. I'm not sure he was ever this interesting to be honest, even the Clone Wars stuff, you know, when, you know, he's trying to get revenge on Mace Windu and whatnot, you know, that's sort of predictable. Um, here, I don't know where he's going. I don't know what his end game is. Well, he, you know, he, he said, you know, he said, I give my allegiance to no, no one. one. So, you know, yeah, I mean, so what I, I think they've, they're telling us that, um, you know, yeah, hold on. Cause you, you don't know what's just, when you think, you know, you don't know. Um, so the title of the episode was the believer. Why? Who is the believer? We know who the Jedi. Well, we talked about the Jedi could have been Ahsoka or it could have been Grogu. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've who who is the believer? I think it's Din. I think 
you know, this episode was about challenging his belief system. As most of the season has been about challenging his belief system. So the idea of belief at this point, what is he willing to believe on? What is he willing to stand on? And I think he's coming to a realization that he's willing to believe on is his love for Grogu. That's so in order to protect that and defend that, he's gonna do whatever it takes. I think it all depends on who is who is writing these um chapter titles. I'd mentioned it earlier in, in earlier podcasts. Is it is it some third person, you know, all knowing, you know author or is it Din writing in his journal? And so if it's Din writing in his journal, the believer, um, I, you know, it, I, well, first of all, I think if it's, if it's that third person, you know, all knowing, I think the believer could be, um, Mayfeld. It could be Cara Dune. It could be Din. It could be the Imperial, um, officer, you know, everybody's beliefs were challenged you know, and confirmed or changed, you know, they were all challenged at that point. If it's Din, um, right, you know, writing this, then I think it's probably, um, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling between either Mayfeld or the Imperial officer because, but the Imperial officer was the one who seemed to be more firm in his beliefs. And then, you know, but that's but that's kind of the point is you have Din with his belief system, you have Valen has the Imperial officer with his belief system, you have somebody like Mayfeld who used to believe in the Empire, but doesn't anymore. He's lost that faith whatsoever. And then you have characters like Cara Dune, who believes that the New Republic is the way to go and that Mayfeld's a bad guy because he's an Imperial, and all of a sudden her belief system's challenged by Mayfeld's actions. So at every instance, there's a number of people here that could be attributed to where you could say, oh, they're the believer or this is what they're believing on. And here's where that's coming uh, to a head the other characters. I mean, even pirates, you could say they're because they're sacrificing themselves to blow themselves up. I think if you're thinking about it in a technical perspective, like what makes the most sense? Who's the main character of the episode? The main guest star, I guess, would be how I would call that. Um, yeah, probably Mayfeld. Um, but, like, he's the least believing out of all of them. <laughs> in a way, I, he's sort of just, he believes in himself, and, and, and that's kind of where he's he's at in, the, uh, in, in this giant uh, scheme uh, uh, that they've wrapped themselves up in. So I... Um, yeah, I like I like Cara Dune as as the answer because she seems to have um, the most faith that this whole scenario is going to unfold the way that it should, and it does. Um, I'm sure Din believed it as well. I'm sure he believed it very strongly, but um, I don't know. You know, it's it's an interesting question because. Like most of the titles that we've been given, you can answer it a lot of different ways. But there's always one that's very simple to to draw the arrow to. Like I said, it's like like I said, yeah, you go to the Jedi. It's like, you know, on the surface, yes, it's about 
you know, Ahsoka, but it could be about, you know, so here though, it's, it's not, it's not as clear. Um, I mean, probably it would probably, you would assume Mayfeld, I guess, because he's the starring character who isn't Din. But of course, let's put it, let's put it this way. Who is the one of all these people that we're talking about, the ones who are, was most unwilling or probably unable or not gonna change their way of thought the imperial right so (laughs) so he is the believer because he believes one way and that's that's just the way it's going to be you know mayfeld changed his thoughts like we said changed the thoughts about the mando and we know that he changed his thoughts about the empire you know cara dune changes her thoughts about and her beliefs about mayfeld and you know basically probably about imperials in general um din obviously changed his you know challenged his own beliefs so but the and and change some of them um so i think the believer is probably the imperial officer it's the one that he is the one that wasn't budging and look what it got him he ain't no more (laughs) is that a is that a commentary on belief well i think you know it's i think it's a um and what this this series has shown is there's there's a difference between believing in something and um and being a zealot, you know, that, um, you know, you can believe in something, but allow for flexibility, you know, because if, because if you look at it from the standpoint of whether it's Valen has or Moff Gideon, what are they willing to do for their beliefs? Anything and everything, including wholesale destruction, murder, baby kidnapping, you name it. And it's not even their beliefs; it's somebody else's beliefs. Right. They just the other somebody else's beliefs that gave granted them power, and they just paired the line in order to keep that power. Well, but, it's like, it's you know, it's like one of the things I always told my um, <laughs> my my students. I said, "This is not a democracy; it's a benevolent dictatorship." You know, which, and and you know, and and other things. It's like, you know, you have you have classroom rules, but you know there's, there's always extenuating circumstances, you know? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, and so I, I just totally took another turn, but it's like you, okay. So you could be speeding, you know, speed limit says 35 and you're going 55 and a cop pulls you over and says, Hey, you're not supposed to be going 55. It's like, you know, my, my wife's in the car and she's in labor. Oh, heavens to Murgatroyd. Let me put on the reds and blues and I will, you know, lead you to the hospital and you will get no ticket. So yeah, it's against the, so, you know, but the empire doesn't operate that way. It's, you know, it's my way or the highway, you know, the emperor operation cinder. If I'm dead, then you lay waste to everything, you know? Um, so I, th- I, I, Guess with long story short, they to me the believer is that imperial officer, and I, again I think it's another thing to show Din that, okay, yeah, just having one narrow vision of how to operate is not doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? But yeah, no, and I and I it create it's again it's juxtaposing Din's journey with other people, other characters' journeys. Because they're all at different paths or different points on his path. 
you know, somebody like Miggs believed until it came face to face what the Empire did, lost his beliefs, lost his faith, went off to do his own thing, ended up in jail. And it's not until it starts doing the right thing or the good thing that things kind of turn around. Whereas somebody like Cara Dune, who was lost from her own beliefs, came back around and now she's the authority figure, so to speak. So showing then that there's more than one path to, to get to where he wants to go. Right on. Yeah, I I, I honestly think, yeah, well, no. That, yeah, no, it's all right. We'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could I could lead us down a very controversial path um, and I'm just not I'm just not gonna do that tonight um, but I, I, I but the, the the writers of the story are making a broader comment about you know again belief system especially in this hyper political world that we live in you know mm-hmm. um, you know um, and how it's either you know and we we you know, we're on, we're all on Twitter and we see the, you know, it, a lot of on both the right and the left, it is, you know, to some people, it's like, you're either all in or you ain't. And Mm. it's like, well, you know, shades of gray, like we've talked about before, there are, you know, some beliefs that you can take from, you know, all walks of life. Um, and I think that, I think the show is, is speaking brought more broadly, you know, to that um yeah i mean that might be ultimately the point of this episode you talk you call it the believer and you show us this character who has a fervent belief and doesn't get that belief challenged until he takes a blaster bolt in the chest um but you've got din on this journey of encountering all of these different people from different walks of life and beginning to understand that there are different ways that he can live his life, different ways he can be a good guardian to Grogu. And the fact that you get presented this one rigid guy and he gets blown out of his shoes. (laughs) And And if you think about it, the very, the, the first line we ever hear from him in season one is I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. You know, it was very, you know, binary. And we've now seen him go through the galaxy and experience life, like you said, and realize that things aren't, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. You know, um, and again, I think he's, he's, he's maturing, you know, and yeah, so... Yeah, the, the episode written in a way mirrors his growth because we talked about this episode kind of being a gray episode because of its focus on Mayfeld as a gray character and how Rogue One it takes cues from Rogue One in, in that way in a lot of a lot of ways. It just um, it feels interesting to me that he's on this very conflicted path, but he's beginning to see a broader of the galaxy and the rigid small-minded viewpoint is 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 not the point anymore so uh let's let's talk about some other nerdy things we uh we mentioned the seismic charges that was awesome um also i really dug seeing shore troopers 
you know, from Rogue One, you mentioned that that that's a set of armor that I would love to have. Um, that was that was that was really cool. Um, uh, what other, any other geeky moments did you notice? Any callbacks? Of- anything that made you go, "Oh, that was from this thing," or "That was from this thing over here"? Well, you go ahead. No, I was just gonna say right quick. I, I found it interesting that we opened the episode on an imperial scrapyard, where Mayfeld's hoping to helping to break down all imperial tech and ships and whatnot. Because if you play Jedi Fallen Order, that's where that game starts. You start at a planet where your character um, is helping to break down old Clone Wars era, uh, you know, ships and. Uh, tech in order to be repurposed. So it seems like that's always a good way to, you know, in the aftermath of a gigantic, giant galactic civil war to make ends meet. Goes crap down. Yeah, it was a very eerie sort of environment, too. So in one sense, you begin to wonder, is the New Republic just this wonderful place when you know, they've got these people here imprisoned against their will doing manual labor uh, presumably unpaid manual labor, um, and it, it also calls calls to mind like where did all that where did all those materials end up eventually? Because <laughs> they didn't have really, I guess they had a, a smallish fleet that got blown up on Hosnian Prime or whatever. But it just it seems like there's a there was a lot of imperial material on this on that scrapyard there that they could have gone to some, some ships and stuff. And it didn't. I also wonder if it's, if it says uh, a lot about the new Republic that, you know, they're using former, well, they're using prisoners, but also their goal is to wipe away as much of the stain of the empire as they can. Now, rather than taking their tech and repurposing it. Now we're just going to wipe it clean. We're just going to, no, take it back down to its component parts and then start from scratch. Well, and there's all there's I mean, obviously a lot of rebuilding that needs to be to be done. So um, you know, but uh yeah, so those of you who listen to our podcast, if you uh noticed any Easter eggs, want to share them with us on Twitter, stuff like that. Uh, like I said, I think the seismic charge was the the coolest bit. Um but and also it was also neat to see how slave one on the inside works you know how because slave one lifts off horizontally and then flies vertically and you see it rotate inside i mean those are just attention to details that you know like all of us wondered how the heck does this thing work how does people not fall all over the place when they're flying in slave one well they you know they told us so Mm -hmm. um so i like that attention to detail um so um yeah. Anything else for the good of the order on this episode? Or, or where do you think we're obviously next week, we're probably going to be uh, trying to spring baby Yoda and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting because I haven't seen anything yet about episode run. You know, I would imagine be longer than 38 minutes. And can I say because... something real quick? Um, we, you know, we talked about the handcuffs on baby Yoda. Um, I think that's Mandalorian tech because think about at the end of the last uh, season of the clone wars, you know, they have Maul in a box basically that keeps him from using the force. Mm-hmm. 
and and there's a you know Ahsoka and Bo-Katan have a little back and forth about it and she said yeah this is one of the last because they had these things for Jedi so Moff Gideon has something to do I mean he's got obviously he has the dark saber and then you have these force handcuffs um there's there's more of a Mandalorian story there with him than just he was at the battle of you know the uh, which is another little that was another little uh, callback yep but anyway, like I said, I just wanted to throw that out there about the, I think that's Mandalorian tech. So, but yeah, no, I think it's an interesting, uh, now I love the fact that the episode ends with Din calling Moff Gideon out because it would have been interesting if they had decided to kind of go and being sneaky, quiet, try to spring Grogu out. But no, they're in some ways, you know, he's getting, a Din is challenging at the heart of Moff Gideon's power, which is his ability to kind of, you know, be a step ahead, be smarter than the guy, and have all the reason the empire that he's still in his control. And he's saying, "Yeah, bring all that. I'll take you on." So, wonder what is what plan Din has up his sleeve in order to uh, uh, take on Moff Gideon now. Well, cool. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, hearing the silence. We'll probably leave it at that. Like I said, this episode didn't have a whole lot of like things we need to talk about it was pretty straight to the point um and there was one kind of really big theme that was going through the whole episode so um and again i'm not going to rate it as far as you know my favorite or anything like that because i got to see how it fits in the whole story but it seemed to make sense so um dave where can people find us People can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn and Alexa, Amazon Music and Audible, and they can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, and tell your if tell your friends if you you know if you like the podcast, let them know, and that you know they're a Star Wars fan, let them know about it. Um, and uh, yeah, and if you want to throw some positive ratings our way, I suppose everybody asks for that. We always like positive feedback. Um, but uh, otherwise, and don't forget, we did ha- release, we usually just release one episode per week, but we have a special episode we just released uh, a few days ago um, that was going over all of the Marvel and Disney announcements. So please check that one out as well. And But until then, I suppose we will say who dat? Who dat? Yep. And let's hope we do better with the Chiefs than the Eagles. Uh, Yikes. Yeah. And uh, let's hope Green Bay loses. So, but otherwise, we will see you guys later. Matanki.